Chapter Thirty Two of the Queen of Appalachia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kalada. The Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders. Chapter Thirty Two. Sensational Surprise Party. It was the first week in October, and the twenty-fourth birthday of both Paul and May. They being born within a day or two of each other, and their friends were planning a surprise for them at the Temple House. They knew that Paul did not believe in observing time, and especially as it relates to age. But as Angelina expressed it, he was a crank anyway, and they proposed to celebrate the event. Owing to this affair. Paul and May frequently found themselves alone and were rarely disturbed. I can't imagine what they are up to. Who? Why, Mister Brownley and Angelina, they are always together. Are you so blind, May? Can't you see they are a pair of dolls, very much in love with each other? True, but the past day or two they have acted so very exclusive. They seem to be discussing something extraordinary. At this stage of the game, my dear, they can easily find something interesting to talk about. Then you really believe Mister Brownley is in love with Lena? In love? Repeated Paul. I would not be at all surprised to learn of their engagement. You don't mean it, Paul? Well, but I do. I know Brownley, and if he has not already spoken, he is getting good and ready. As for Angelina, oh, if it's left to her, you can depend upon it. The knot will be tied. I happen to know her heart," said she positively. "Then, my dear, it is a wedding, and I am glad of it. I only hope it is true. I wonder if it will happen soon. A double wedding would not be a bad idea." Said Paul, blushing. "Wouldn't it be perfectly splendid?" replied she with a pleased expression. "If I dared, I would suggest it to Lena. Why not? Will you speak to Mister Brumley? Sure. I'll do it, Paul. Come, let's go to the house." Rising, but say, Paul, what if we are mistaken in their betrothal? We must find out. But I am very sanguine on that point," replied he. Arriving at the open window, they paused, hearing voices. Cautiously approaching closer, May was able to catch a portion of the conversation. "It is the doves," she whispered. "That isn't fair, May. Come away. You may hear something not intended for your ears." "Shh," said May, holding up a warning hand. They are discussing it. The wedding, good. I told you. Say, Paul, joining him, just think of it. They are actually going over the ceremony. It is going to happen, and that soon too. Surely they would take us into their confidence. I don't know, but from what I heard, I doubt it. Oh, I wish I knew if they were trying to give us a surprise. If so, Paul, suppose, suppose. 
We make it a double surprise," added he. "If we were sure, I would be tempted to go into the scheme." Oh, I know it! They were really rehearsing the ceremony, and he was admonishing her not to forget certain parts of it. There is no doubt in my mind, whatever. I will secure the license if you say so, but we will have to engage someone to perform the ceremony. We can't have Brownlee now. I should like to know whom they have engaged. I have an idea. You could get our little minister over at the parsonage. He will answer. It really doesn't matter," said he. "Swear him to secrecy, Paul. I will fix him all right. Never fear. Shall I place an order with the florist? Glad you thought of flowers. Yes, have them sent up at seven o'clock. Very well, dear. Go along and make your preparations. But mind you, do not give our plans away. You can depend upon me," said she, accepting the parting embrace, and watching the retreating form of her husband to be on very short notice. Thank God, my fondest hopes are soon to be realized," murmured the happy fiance. But I would have preferred a grand wedding. Luckily, my trousseau is ready, and I will arrange to have a half dozen of my most intimate friends here on some pretext. I will consult with Mama," she decided, and away she ran, flying right into the arms of Angelina in the hallway. "I was looking for you, May. Come into the library a moment." Throwing her arms around May's waist, a habit she invariably had when she was in a confidential mood, and May wondered what was coming. "What is it, Lena?" inquired she, entering the deserted library and noting her flushed face. Is nothing extraordinary," she began. "But I want you to do me a favor. Name it, Lena, and I will gladly do anything. You know, Mister Brownley and I. Yes, yes," said May, thinking she would soon know the secret at last. Promise to go driving with George and Missus Overton this evening. We want you and Paul to go in our state. Is that all?" said May, sighing. I will ask Paul. I am sure I can arrange it. Please do, dearie. If we don't care to go, very well, Lena. I will help you out. She interrupted. Just the thing was her inaudible exclamation. We will help make her surprise a success. Paul was made acquainted with the plans of Angelina, and he readily fell into them. At six o'clock, the quartet started for a drive. May had completed her bridal toilet, throwing a pretty riding habit over her wedding dress, and Paul was faultlessly attired in conventional black, as was his custom. It was half past eight. The Temple residence was in holiday attire, and Quentin Society had generously responded to an invitation to a birthday surprise party for Mr. Thornton and Miss Temple. The rooms were filled with the cream of the society of the town, and they were anxiously awaiting the return of the driving party. When the little minister appeared upon the scene at eight o'clock, nothing was thought of it, and he was turned over to the elder Temple. He was in the habit of making impromptu calls and was always welcomed. They are coming," 
was the signal, and preparations for the surprise began in earnest. Mr. Brownlee, who had consented to act as groom in a mock wedding, passed up to Angelina's room, where the bride was in waiting. "Won't they be surprised?" said Angelina. "If they do not catch on, yes," replied Brownlee. "But they are not easily gulled. If we could only have had a real minister, the surprise would have been complete." I almost regret it is a farce. There is a minister within reach, Lena. If you desire, I will arrange it," said he, smiling pleasantly. That would be a surprise, Tom. Brownlee quickly darted out the door and down the stairway, returning shortly, flushed and out of breath. It is done, my dear, and too late to turn back. I am delighted, happy, Tom, covering his face with kisses. In the meantime, Paul and May, George and Mrs. Overton had reached the driveway and were coming up the walk towards the house. The guests had been cautioned to keep indoors, and the blinds were drawn. As Paul and May entered the hall, they were at once taken in charge by George and Mrs. Overton, as prearranged, and having received the signal, they marched them towards the spacious drawing room. Let me remove my wraps, Mrs. Overton," said May. She and Paul played into their hands willingly. "No, come right in. I want to show you the ring George gave me," said she. "Yes, I must see it too, Mrs. Overton," spoke Paul. The doors were then opened, and they faced a sea of happy, smiling faces. They were completely surprised and were thrown off their guard for the moment. But boldly entered and were laughing and chatting gaily with a half dozen who were detailed for the purpose. They were just recovering from their first astonishment when the pianist struck up the strains of Mendelssohn's Wedding March, simultaneously with the appearance of Brownlee and Angelina, who were preceded by two little girls in white bearing aloft lighted candles. Paul expected them and hastily swept the room with his eyes in search of a minister. The little fat preacher soon made his appearance and gave Paul a knowing signal. The notes of the grand wedding march died out, and the bride and groom had taken their places under the arch. Paul whispered to May, and in the twinkling of an eye, she discarded the driving habit and stepped forth, brilliantly arrayed in her magnificent wedding gown. Paul led her to the arch. The blushing and confused bride and groom, watching, involuntarily made room for them under the arch. And to the amazement of the guests, the minister unfolded a marriage license and proceeded with the ceremonies that finally bound together the lives of Paul and May, as well as that of Brownlee and Angelina. When the Murray guests realized that it was a double wedding in unmistakable reality. They were overwhelmed with surprise and astonishment. The New York papers next day teemed with glowing accounts of the great social event, pronouncing it the sensational surprise of the season. The affair was the talk of the surrounding country for days, and all admitted it was without a parallel in originality, without precedence in society circles, and that no surprise party was ever so genuine or successful. In social history. End of chapter thirty-two. 
Sensational Surprise Party, recorded by Khalada. End of the Queen of Appalachia by Joe H. Borders.